This spring, Cowtown becomes Chowtown, and it's all thanks to the Fort Worth Food and Wine Festival. With six events between April 4th and 7th, the festival features a talented roster of chefs and food artisans, as well as craft brewers and distinctive vintners. They all bring a range of tastes, styles, and methods that reflect the taste of the city itself. But it's more than a good time. It's a good cause. With proceeds supporting local grant programs and culinary scholarships, tickets get you all you can eat and drink from the best chefs in Fort Worth and beyond. And this year brings two brand new ways to experience the festival. The Culinary Corral, a four-hour celebration of the best of the fest, and the Ring of Fire Next Level Cookout, a live fire and live music event. Buy tickets today and learn more about the festival at fwfwf.com. That's fwfwf.com. The link is also in the description for this episode. Well, I think a lot of it is that most often people um, here in town often kind of get stuck into a rut of going to their favorite places and they, they might hear about some place opening and they might try it in the beginning and then forget about it and go back to their, their favorite restaurant. Well, and also I think that was meant too as a compliment to Fort Worth, right? It's back to yeah. this point that there actually is a lot of great food here. That's the fun part about this is, is we can play. I like to play with my food, so, yeah. so it's just let's try out new things and see what sticks. You are listening to Fort Worth Food Stories, brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. All right, welcome to Fort Worth Food Stories. I'm your host, James Creange. I'm joined today by Trent and Dina Shaskin from the Mockingbird Food Company. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us, Yeah, this is uh, this is cool. And, and you guys are here with the Fort Worth Food and Wine Festival, uh, set up by Julie Eastman. Um, so let's talk about a, l- a little bit about that first before we get into uh, the Mockingbird Food Company. Um, so what events will you be taking part in this year? Well, I'm on the, the committee for Rise and Dine, which is also being termed the Culinary Corral over at uh, Clear Fork, Farmer's Market area. Um, big tent and then a big bunch of vendors and stuff scattered around. Cool. And we'll be having food at the main event. Okay. Is the, the event that we'll be participating in. Which is also at Clear Fork. The whole event's at Clear Fork. So what will you be, what will you be uh, cooking? Well, we're still working on that a little bit. Um, we're trying to figure out a good way to combine what Trent and I both do um, to showcase both Icon Bread and Mockingbird Food Company. So we'll probably be doing something that involves sourdough and most likely some kind of soup. We don't want to go there? Well, so we do a sourdough, which is uh, fans of, the, of Icon know it well. We do it at Clear Fork in Cowtown, which is uh, Swiss caramelized onion and thyme sourdough. Sounds unbelievable. Yeah, it's delicious, <laughs> which goes well with. Well, I've been thinking about making a just a plain beef consomme. Okay. So that we can toast the bread and serve it with a beef consomme to dip it in. So it'll basically be like a deconstructed French onion soup. Okay, that sounds really good. Maybe. And, and forgive our... forgive me here for being a bit of a novice, but what is a, a consomme? A consomme is basically a very uh, clarified and fortified uh, beef stock. You make a beef stock and then you make a combination of ground beef and egg whites and some other mirepoix and then you 
uh, cook it all together and it creates a raft up top that, that the soup bastes it and it, it takes all the impurities out of it and makes it very clear and super flavorful. You've sold me. You've sold <laughs> me for sure. Um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to probably be there for all the events this year. Um, so I, I'll definitely be there for the main event. Um, definitely looking forward to trying that out. Have you guys participated in the past? I've, yeah, I've participated every year. I've okay. been on the board um, for the past two or three years, I think, um, when I was the chef at the Modern Week. We started, actually, the very first year we had an event at the Modern um, that was a brunch um, event, but in subsequent years, that they, they changed it to different events, and I think they that's when they started the Rise and Dine, the, the second year, I believe. So it's it seems like the, the Burgers and Brew event is, like, the most popular one. It, it seems like that's the one everyone wants a ticket for. Why, like, what is it about that event? As people who have, I, I've never been to the Fort Worth Food and Wine Festival, oh, really? uh, save for one event last year. Um, but so what is it about that event? That... Well, number one, who doesn't love hamburgers? True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's outside and there's big fires. It, it's at, actually at Clear Fork. Okay. Or it has been, and I think that's sort of. Yeah, is it going to be in that heart of the ranch? It's the heart of yeah. the ranch. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Big, beautiful trees, all open spaces, gorgeous. So you're obviously, as a catering company, and, and you do other stuff as well, and, and we'll get into that, but um, as a catering company, you're used to creating menus for a lot of people. What is one of the trickier things about uh, creating food for an event that has a thousand people, but you probably have to account for people coming up more than once as well? Well, I think a lot of that is just doing the math and, and seeing how much do we really think people are going to eat and how many people are actually going to show up. Um, it's, it's all just numbers. Well, and a big stick. <laughs> <laughs> So for you, Trent, when, when, <laughs> I mean, yeah. big stick in the sense that we're used to lines and it takes time. Yes. For yeah. example, at, at, at the farmer's market, the joke is there's no express line. So people uh, spend a lot of time in line and it's fun. Yeah. It's part I mean, of the experience. Hey, if, if the food's good enough, right, yeah, you exactly. have to be willing to wait. Um, when you're making the breads, how long does that take you? That's a big, uh, it's a big commitment. It's two or three days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when, when I, um, you know, we talk about those lines, when I used to do bartending, um, I would do events bartending. So you'd hit an intermission and there would be this huge rush, hundred people deep. I would get all panicked and, you know, worried about, oh, these people are going to leave my line or whatever. Oh, yeah. They always seem to stay, but do you feel that or does it kind of fly by too quickly? Well, in catering, I think that's a big part of the pre-planning. You never want that to happen mm -hmm. at a catering event. So you you pre-plan to arrange things physically and have enough staff to be able to to handle that flow that you know the initial onslaught of people coming up to the bar you know by having several bars spread out same thing with buffets and or stations for for an event like that that you want to make sure that people don't just queue up you need to spread them out either slow them down with some past hors d'oeuvres or have multiple stations that you can divert people in different areas. Yeah, see, Dina's a real pro with that. I mean, really, um, yeah. big weddings and things, you don't, you want it to go smoothly. Markets and, and Fort Worth food and wine are a little different um, that way because, you know, you're limited to kind of a, a smaller space. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, it's the same kind of process. you got to have enough. You want to keep the flow going. I mean, I keep trying to round up my kids to come help, you know, <laughs> take money and things, but. 
Yeah. You know. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, you mentioned Dina might be better at that, um, but, uh, yeah. you oh, know, how, how have you taught yourself to learn to accept the fact that there's just going to be a line and you have to deal with it? Conversation, to tell you the truth, yeah. and uh, interaction. I find that the, the bread and the stuff we do at the farmer's market is all interactive, highly interactive. And that's, uh, I think it makes a challenge if you're not used to that, but if you're into it, it's thrilling. It's it's a uh, it's a really two-way street. Does it get exhausting at all having to rep your own product all the time? It does. Yeah. 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 The market itself is exhausting. Yeah, I bet. I I'm not good about even this podcast. You know, I I have to tell people, hey, listen to my podcast. I'm not good about that. I feel weird about that. So I can't imagine just you're yeah. in an event for however many hours and you have to just keep repping it. Um, yeah. But I want to ask you guys, why do you think it's so important um, to showcase local talent like they do at the Fort Worth Food and Wine Festival? Well, I think a lot of it is that most often people um, here in town often kind of get stuck into a rut of going to their favorite places and they they might hear about some place opening and they might try it in the beginning and then forget about it and go back to their their favorite restaurant. And I think it, it it's a reminder to people that, hey, don't forget there's this restaurant and this restaurant and this catering company and this bakery, um, don't forget we're out here. But also to to tell people, hey, if you haven't heard of this restaurant or this upcoming restaurant, here's a showcase of all of them. You know, we have so many diverse things available to us. Don't keep going to the same one. Spread uh-huh. the love. Spread the love. <laughs> yeah, so true. There's so, And there's so much talent. Yeah. So, yeah, this is excellent. Yeah, um, we have some ideas moving forward, too, maybe how to... Because uh, last meeting, I won't go too much into this, but um, Fort Worth is famous for barbecue, but there's a lot of other stuff going on, too. So the question is how to delve into that. And some other cities have some really interesting models. That and what, what, like, what would be an example of one of those models? Uh, well, to delve into the more ethnic foods, Tucson uh-huh. has a, something called Tucson Meet Yourself, which I thought might could be an interesting model moving forward. But, huh. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's pretty cool. And I've, I've fallen into that rut before. I have the same couple of places, but I've been trying more and more to force myself to go sure. uh, different yeah, places. Absolutely. And, you know, you have to you have to try new foods and right. um, support these local uh, people who are really kind of artists. It's the same way you go support at the Modern or wherever. You oh, support absolutely. Their, support absolutely. their art of, of local food. Yep. Um, and this is something that you'll kind of be doing. Uh, with your Mockingbird Food Company in, in 2019, and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, I think it's opening in 2019, uh, the table that you um, are partnering with Howland Diksha, who were on this podcast, right. yeah. um, which is was really awesome. They're they're great. Um, love fantastic their, ladies. Yeah, uh, just awesome people, awesome food. But tell me about that space. What's the table going to be like? Uh, well, it's really going to be sort of a collective of, uh, of our business, of how and Diksha, and then also inviting other artisans um, that normally sell at farmers markets or, or elsewhere. And whom we know so well from the market. So yeah. there really is a, a great bunch of people that we interact. You know, I mentioned earlier interacting with customers at the markets. It's also interacting with the other vendors. So okay. So this is, this is, instead of just doing it Saturday, we wanted to do it every day. And That's have cool. this open. Yeah. yeah so so the, if you want to buy a pie or honey or beef or chicken, mm-hmm, then you can or, buy it six six or seven days a week rather than 
than only one day a week. And produce also, which is huge. Yeah. So will you also have meals? Uh, We're working on that. We're probably this is going Dina's to have, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, we're we're going to have the things that we already sell at the farmers market, which are frozen soups, um, fermented items like kimchi and sauerkraut and hot sauce, um, and really, I'm going to play around with it and and see what what sells the best and what what people are looking for. It can be ready to go meals. It can be frozen meals, um, sauces dressings who knows it just um that's the fun part about this is is we can play i like to play with my food so yeah. so it's just let's try out new things and see what sticks and you had mentioned you were an executive chef and, and you have the icon breads uh, was there ever a, a long-term goal of we want to open up a space where we can sell this stuff um, or did it kind of just fall into your laps and, and you decided to try it it's kind of worked over time that um Having a catering company, as I'm getting older, I'm, I'm finding that I'm not going to be able to do this, you know, as I, as I age. Yeah. So let's find something that's a little bit more of a, uh, a regular hour, more of a set hours kind of thing, but, uh, but also still be able to be as creative as we want to. Yeah, Dina's always wanted to do an uh, ever-changing menu or even a daily-changing menu. Okay. We were in Marfa years ago and ran into... Um, um, Future Shark. Future Shark. And what was cool about that, right on Main Street in Marfa, was that uh, it, the menu changed every day, and that was exciting. So uh, this is what the table represents. Stuff changes all the time. I mean, Dina's a huge influence on the sourdough because she's always getting me to try different stuff. Like this morning, we did a salami, pepperoni, and mustard sourdough. So it's coming this Saturday. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. It was and, it was incredible. And and then we have a pear. Um, blue cheese walnut also so so tell me about that process when you're making the sourdough how long does it take until you're comfortable with the recipe and how do you come up with the new recipes well the bread recipe itself is pretty set Mm -hmm. um you know whether you do a classic loaf or one of these other loaves the the that recipe set you're just adding ingredients and playing with the ingredients and the moisture although we play with different wheats you know there's a a mill in Austin, we've got to give a shout out to, it's just fantastic, called Barton Springs Mill, and they're growing out heirloom wheats, rare wheats, um, farming it out to Texas growers and then bringing it back to their grain mill, milling it for us and shipping it to us fresh. So it's just incredible. So we're doing that as well. That's great. And, yeah. and another way to, I mean, it's not Texas local, but, uh, or Fort Worth local, but it's, it's Austin it's, local. It's Austin local. Yeah, absolutely. And that's awesome. Yeah. It's um, incredible. Great yeah. stuff. So, yeah. We and, did a wheat this morning called Yokorho Rojo. So, okay. Yeah. Cool. James Brown at Barton Springs will be happy to. Yeah, yeah. Ready. We'll have to send him the podcast. Please. <laughs> and, and how did you get uh, stuck on sourdough? What, what made you love that so much? You know, I, it's funny, we get asked that a lot, and I think the best question, the best answer to that is I grew up eating sourdough, so I've been uh, in San Francisco and the North Coast, and so just trying to get back to that taste, and it's taken some time, but I think we're, you know, it, it's all taste to me, yeah. so, yeah. Cool, and Dina, sorry, I've got one more for Trent here about yeah, the bread, I'm, I'm really interested <laughs> in it. Um, when you're making that sourdough bread, what... Let's say someone wants to try it at home or, or they're, you know, going through the process. How long did it take you to feel comfortable with the bread you were making? And what's one tip that you would uh, give to someone? 
uh, seek professional help. Uh, I mean, I mean professional psychiatric help. Uh, have that all lined up because it can be very frustrating. Um, what was the question? Tip about doing yeah, it at home? you know, what's something to remember when you're making it? Uh, trial and error, and follow the recipe, and get a good bread book. And I have great recommendations. And anyone that wants starter, also that uh, we give out lots of starter at the market. And come to our kitchen. We have a lot of people that come to our kitchen and uh, work with us. And so uh, that's that's fun. Cool. Yeah. So, Dina, you, um, before buying Bravo Catering, which then turned into Mockingbird Food Company, um, you were the head chef at The Modern, which you had mentioned, for almost 12 years. Right. Um, what are some of the key things that you learned there that you now apply to your company today? Oh, gosh. Um, well, what I... What I loved about it was that we did have an ever-changing menu. We did seasonal menus. We were one of the few restaurants in DFW that truly was seasonal, local. Um, our menu changed every season. I personally went to the farmer's market every Saturday and most Wednesdays to pick up the majority of things that we'd be using each week um, and developing uh, relationships with those farmers and vendors. Um, and I think that that was the, the most important thing was was seasonality, local, um, and creating flavors and menus that match what's available rather than and also being able to to marry that into global uh, mm-hmm. menu items because um, changing our menus, I think in the time period that I was there, I did between lunch, brunch, and dinner, I did something like 48 different menu changes. Really? Yeah. And in addition, did um, special events, weddings, um, big dinners, um, open houses, things like that. Um, so it, it's, I think the most important thing that I learned was to be flexible and, and to adapt. Um because not everything that you might have planned to be in season was going to actually get to your door. So you have to think quick and be able to use an alternate plan, you know, sure. think on your feet. <laughs> yeah, did you notice what Dina, she mentioned farmer's market? So it started 12 years ago, the table, it's a direct line from uh, the actually, modern- 16 years ago. 16 years ago, <laughs> from the modern farmer's market. Yeah to Clear Fork and Cowtown to the table. That's, that's great. That's the line. That's cool. And, yeah. and that's, you know, I love seeing that, the inception of the idea. And yeah. Where did it start and, and where it is now it's very and where organic. it's going to go. And yeah. it's all of these relationships with farmers that we still maintain today yeah. that we're still trying to feature these artists, or farmers and artists and, uh, and be able to, to make their products available to the widest possible uh, amount of people. Sure, yeah. And what were those crowds like at The Modern? Is it different than the crowds you get today? Um, Or is it the same kinds of people that are coming? It's really variable. I mean, it is the general public, but being at a museum, um, you have your regulars. You you have, you know, sort of a a core set of, of base customers, which when I when I bought the catering company, I actually decided that it was a good idea to buy this catering company because a lot of the existing customers at the catering company were already my clients at the museum. Mm-hmm. So it was a very natural transition. Um, a lot of the people I still see and do parties for now are people that, that I would see on a regular basis at the museum. But um, 
But the museum is great because uh, you've got your your regulars, you've got the general public, which are people that have come to the museum for the first time and walked into your restaurant for the first time and and seen a menu that is that is very global um, and you can introduce them to new flavors um, while also not scaring them away. You yeah. know, um, you're always going to have the, the young children. You're always going to have the teenagers. And so you've got to create menus that will kind of um, apply to everyone across the board. And, and that's got to be the same for today, right? When you're doing a catering event, there's going to be a million different palettes that are... You have a there. wedding of 250 people and you're going to have four different stations. You have to make sure on that station you're going to have something that a teenager will eat, a kid will eat, um, a cowboy will eat, yeah. and a foodie will eat, you know? Yeah. So, so it's you have to do a nice balance of menu items to, you know, to kind of please everyone. And how long did it take for the two of you, uh, being in business together, to realize your strengths and weaknesses and, and work well and, and not, you know, clash with each other? Um, do you mean how long has it taken for Trent to realize that I'm right about everything? <laughs> yeah, perfect. Thank <laughs> not, you. Yeah. We haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm speechless. Oh, we're almost there. That's a, that's a great question, though. It does take a little bit, and people find their niche and, and where and what you have to give up to the other person. Yeah. So and Dina is almost always right. <laughs> Good job. No comment from me, but I'm assuming you and guys are right. Scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So on your website, we're talking about these events, these caterings uh, that you do. Um, you note that you don't offer cookie cutter events. It's you know, it's not your style to offer something that you're going to get everywhere else. What do you mean by that exactly? Well, I like to talk to the client and see first what they envision when they say, "I want to have a birthday party for my mother's 60th birthday." I want to talk to them and say, "What do you envision?" I can give you a pre-planned menu and say, "This is what I offer. Order right off this." But what if they were thinking, well, I'd really like to do kind of a brunchy thing with chicken and waffles and, mm-hmm. and, and bellinis. Or, or do you want a, you know, cookie cutter? I want a chicken, vegetable, mashed potato, bread and salad kind of thing. You know, yeah. because that's what a, a lot, not, I'm not saying all catering companies do, but a lot of them say we offer protein, starch, veg, you know, this is what we offer, and it's twelve ninety five per person, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I like to see what is it that you have in mind. Let's think about what's going to make your palate happy and your guests happy, and uh, and how can we have fun with the food rather than just, you know, doing the same thing. I get bored if I'm cooking the same thing every day. Yeah. Well, so, and this goes back to the theme here, which is it's so custom. I mean, that's what really is interesting about this. And so it's custom and to use to overuse a word that's, I think, probably done, but it's very artisanal. I mean, it's that, that whole custom where it comes out of the kitchen, you know, it truly does. And, and Nothing purchased here that's already done. It's all made. And let, let's talk about that customization. Is it, um, you know, if someone comes to you and they say, I want to do a menu that's Moroccan, let's say, just a random, could you do that? Or do you Absolutely. try to stick to, you know, at least some kind of set? No, not at all. Not at all, no. no. The, the the more crazy the better. Well, it's I mean, like you guys are doing here at the culinary school. You want to teach the basic skills so that whatever comes at you, you're able to one, you know where to look, mm-hmm. you know how to source, you know how to think about ingredients. Yeah, very cool. much so. What what is the craziest one you've gotten? 
Um, well, I recently did a wedding where the uh, bride was from Thailand and the Korea. groom was from Korea, Korea yeah. I think. And so we had to do a mashup of, of Thai and Korean together. I've done Indian weddings where I think out of three, 400 people, a good 250 of them actually flew, flew over from India. Really? So I really had to be spot on with <laughs> yeah. the flavors and actually got really great reviews, which the only Indian food that I've honestly had was from Fort Worth, Texas. So, <laughs> you know, it takes a lot of research. It takes a lot of recipe reading um, and and talking to people who are who know those cuisines to make sure that, that we nail the flavors. Does that make the two of you nervous going into an event like that where you've only eaten Indian food in Fort Worth? Are you nervous that you're going to fail at that? I don't because it takes a lot of planning and preparation beforehand. And I always, on some kind of occasion like that, do a tasting with with the, uh, the client okay. to make sure that is this what you're expecting. Well, and also I think that was meant, too, as a compliment to Fort Worth, right? It's back to yeah. this point that there actually is a lot of great food here. And that we do get out occasionally too, not yeah. very much. But. <laughs> well, when we when we actually do make it out of Fort Worth, we, we eat our way through vacation. Yeah, yeah so. really. I, I always wonder that with people that cook for a living, do you cook at home or do you try to eat out almost every night? Both. Yeah, I think um, Dina does actually. People, we get that question a lot: is you know what what do chefs do when they're off? Dina will do a lot of cooking. You know, um, but there's some days that I'm like, no way. <laughs> We're having ramen for dinner. Yeah. But and then we find we, it is good for us to eat out, too, just to try the different places because it's ideas. It's all idea-driven. So we'll run into stuff all the time. We were just in San Francisco, and, of course, tons of ideas, mm -hmm. skill levels, and different techniques. And I got basically thrown out of a famous um, bakery in San Francisco for staring. <laughs> I felt uncomfortable. It was time to go. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that, I, I like that you brought that up, though, because even you know doing this podcast, it's what I do a lot. I, I have four different ones that I do freelance. Oh, and wow. so when I listen to a podcast, I'm critical See, of certain things yeah. or I, I take ideas from certain things. Right. Yeah. It's vital. It's really important. Yeah, I, I think that's great, and, and that you can be open to it and not think I know everything. And right. <laughs> you know, you're open to, to learning new stuff. Oh, well, yeah. except Dina does know everything. Yeah, sorry, we've established <laughs> yeah. that. Well, sorry. In, until I go to other restaurants and I go, oh, how do they do that? <laughs> so, is is it um, you know industry standard if you had asked a chef and you said, hey, I'm a chef, could you tell me how you do this, or would they? Are you more secretive about your recipes? Oh, no, I'm, I'm really open about it. Yeah. I'll share a recipe with anybody. Um, and a, a lot of times, whatever I'm doing, the, the recipe itself is pretty self-evident. It's more of just a style. Okay. You know, um, you know, and then if I see somebody else doing it, well, that's just a huge compliment. Uh-huh. You know, they say imitation is the greatest form of flattery. But, no, I'm, I'm always uh, willing to, to help somebody out with, with a recipe or a food idea. Cool. Um, and Trent, I know you're probably, uh, your favorite thing to make would be breads, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, you pretty much mastered that. Dina, do you have a favorite thing to cook? It changes every day. It really? It really does. <laughs> oh, that goes back to the seasonal, I yeah, guess, Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. Um, well, 
soups. You're a master. I do of... love. I do love to make soup, but that you know, that's just saying I love to cook American food. You know, true. It's like, um, well, what was the soup we just did? That that Hal said we were teasing her. Um, oh, I did a kimchi pork belly and tofu soup. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and we do the kimchi too, so it's really, yeah, really we make the kimchi from scratch. It sounds like you need to move. So I'm from New Jersey. It sounds like you know you move to the Northeast, you might be able to make soups nine months a year as Absolutely. opposed to three months a year exactly. here in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I just want to uh, you know wrap it up now and and uh, thank you guys for coming on. Um, I really appreciated having you. Um, but uh, my final question is just for both of you. Um, if you could tell everyone where they can find out more about Mockingbird Food Company and, and find out more about where you'll be at the Fort Worth Food and Wine Festival. You can find out more about Mockingbird, of course, at the farmer's markets online. We welcome people to the kitchen. Um, that's turned into something. I think that's also an idea that's driven the table. Is so many people are coming up to the kitchen in Southlake um, that we're going to start offering courses at the table and do pop-up dinners and things. Um, which you can find out more about on Facebook, um, and then eventually we'll be creating a, a website for the table with a calendar and that'll yeah. combine our our website and How and Dixie's website and and show that we'll what the dates are for the events that we have coming up. And that should be a calendar, and it will be a calendar for Fort Worth community events too. So cool. there'll be a lot of activity, maybe a clearinghouse of sorts. That's so, awesome. It yeah. sounds like I'll have to have all four of you on at some point. Oh, we should. Then, that would be a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, once it opens up. Yeah, let's do that. Maybe <laughs> there. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. Well, yeah, thank you great. guys. Thank, thank you guys James. again for today. Really appreciate it. And at the Fort Worth Food and Wine Festival, we'll be at the main event. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. That interview with Trent and Dina was brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. Located on Camp Bowie Boulevard, the Culinary School of Fort Worth is helping future chefs pursue their dreams every single day. You can reach out for more information or to schedule a tour on their website at csftw.edu, or you can reach them by phone at 817-737-8427. Also, you can check them out on social media to see what's going on daily at the school at Culinary School of Fort Worth on Facebook and Culinary School FTW on Instagram.